What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Misunderstood Man podcast. My name is John. I am your host, and I am that guy that's going to push you outside of your comfort zone. Now, I want to introduce a very special episode this week. It's an interview that I did with a gentleman named Cam Frazier. He is a sex coach, and we are talking about none other than the topic sex. So if you're ready to push the limits and get a little bit uncomfortable, let's go. Welcome Cam Fraser to the podcast. Cam is a sex coach, a certified sexologist, counselor, yoga teacher, tantric practitioner, and a workshop facilitator. Um, his, his passion is particularly sex coaching, and he's been called to help you cultivate an honest and unconditional loving relationship with yourself, your spirituality, and with others. Man, that's huge. When I, when I first read that, I I felt that and, and being a, a man who is more aware and talking to men who want to become more aware, um, I, I felt that when I read that off. So I just kind of want to, I want you to introduce yourself and I want you to touch on, you know, uh, what it is that you, that you do do. What is a sex coach? Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for inviting me on, man. And I'm happy to share about what it is that I do and I guess like why I do it as well. Um, so my, uh, I'll be uh, kind of brief with my background, but I came from a, I actually went to university in America uh, and I came from this uh, student athlete, kind of collegiate athlete background um, when I was there and I was playing soccer and uh, I was you know, part of a fraternity and I was really, um, I was in really unhealthy space, I suppose. I was having a lot of like mental health issues. I was drinking a lot. I was having trouble connecting sexually with the young women that I was being you know, intimate with. Mm-hmm. I was uh, watching a lot of porn. I was um, you know, part of that locker room culture, so I was quite misogynistic. It was all about quantity over quality. Um, mm-hmm. I was really anxious about all this and my masculinity because I'm not like a traditionally really strong, stocky kind of guy. I'm, I'm quite tall and thin. Um, and and so because of all this anxiety and because of the drinking and because of the conflict that I was having internally, I started suffering from premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction. And there was times because I was drinking too much that I like couldn't ejaculate as well. So, um, you know, delayed ejaculation. And um, it wasn't until I seriously injured my spine, I, I fractured my back, that I was introduced through my clinical rehabilitation to Pilates and to yoga and to meditation and to massage and to body work. And for the first time in my life, and I was probably about 20 or so, I had actually slowed down and I listened to my body. I, I became, I, you mentioned the term awareness, and I actually became aware of what I was feeling, not only physically, like, whoa, I'm so tight and tense in my shoulders, in my back, in my, in my groin, right? In my hips, in my pelvis. I was holding all this contraction and constriction there. And then I also noticed that there was emotions tied into those areas of tension in my body. And I, you know, there was times halfway through a yoga class or a Pilates session where I'd break down and cry, you know, or this huge surge of rage would come through my body and I'd feel like I wanted to scream at someone. And I kind of recognized that the releasing of this tension from my body 
was also releasing these emotions that I've been holding on to for such a long time, embarrassment and shame and guilt and fear and anxiety. Um, stuff I'd been pushing down and pretending wasn't there started to come to the surface and I was able to process it for the first time. And you know, I was studying psychology, I was studying philosophy, I was really interested in human behavior and the way that we kind of do things. And I started realizing that the sex that I was having, the behavior that I was exhibiting was improving when I started doing all this work on my, um, on my body and releasing tension and learning how to breathe. And I started having better sex and was able to be more vulnerable, was able to talk more about the emotions that I was feeling. Excuse me. So I, um, I pursued that. I was like, whoa, this is super intriguing and super interesting. And no one else was really talking about it. There was no men um, that were 10 years older than me or 20 years older than me kind of talking about this sort of stuff. So I just went on this weird journey to find myself, probably similar to yourself and, and, and some men listening. Um, and I you know, went to South America. I went to uh, Canada. I went to Central America. I just kind of did this big journey. Um, you know, took me to India and Southeast Asia and all these other places as well and, and went on a bit of a spiritual journey to find myself and, and what I was really passionate about. And what I was really passionate about was this lived experience that I had of overcoming my own sexual difficulties and overcoming my own fear of pleasure and my fear of intimacy and vulnerability and connection and, and having better, you know, not only better sex, but also better relationships with these people that I was being intimate with. Uh, and right. so I was like, I was like, men need this work, you know, men need to have someone championing them. There's a lot of information out there about what you shouldn't do as a man sexually about what's wrong right. with the way you're expressing yourself but there's not a lot of information out there or there's not a lot of men modeling i suppose a healthy way of expressing your sexuality like what you can do what's a positive way of of tapping into your sexual self and and so i wanted to kind of start exploring that and sharing more about it um, and so i started, started doing that online and and you know started studying at a postgraduate degree human sexuality and sexology counseling um did some neo tantra stuff some classical tantra stuff some yoga therapy massage therapy uh, and then wanted to bring all of that under one umbrella which was the title of coach or sex coach uh, and now i niche as a men's sex coach as well because i okay. i really am informed by and, and motivated by my own lived experience which is as a man right so that's why i don't yeah. um, coach women um, but I, i've got no aversion to that um and then uh yeah and then i started you know really I suppose uh, figuring out what it is that my like coaching practice particularly looks like because there's other mm -hmm. sex coaches in the world and, and we all do things slightly differently and um, the way that you know, the way that I uh, operate as a sex coach is um, you know I'm part of a, a professional body first and foremost like I think that's really important there's sex coaches out there because the title isn't protected they don't have an affiliated professional body. So they're not, they don't have any ethical guidelines to follow. They don't have any supervision. They're just kind of doing it, which is, I guess, fine as long as they're upfront about that. Um, but I'm part of the World Association of Sex Coaches. And so we have this insurance and we have this um, ethical standards and we have guidelines that we need to follow, which is, I think, really important when you're doing sexuality work. You need to be doing it with integrity. I mean, when you're doing any work. Um, so that's like my first piece um and then i yeah and then i like i said i share from my own lived experience i share from um my experiences are uh, uh, relatively young i'm only 27 uh i'm, I'm white uh, i'm i'm cisgender you know and I'm, I'm hetero predominantly heterosexual as well so that's what i kind of use to inform my practice and um and so i, I have a couple of like gay guys who work with me um but predominantly my audience is like you know young straight dudes um and okay. 
Um, and that seems to be, you know, seems to be okay because I, I have a strong referral practice. So if there's someone that doesn't fit that kind of demographic and I feel like I'm not a good fit for them, I'll refer them on to someone who I think is probably a better suited uh, practitioner for their specific needs. Um, so I, I, I help men with, with sexuality concerns, man, similar to what I experienced myself, you know, to, to get into the nitty gritty of it, stuff like premature ejaculation if guys aren't lasting as long as they want or if they're having erection issues either getting or maintaining an erection uh, or mm -hmm. if they're having trouble actually orgasming or actually climaxing and, and ejaculating uh, or if they're just wanting to take their connection with their partner to the next level maybe they're they're not sure how to experience more pleasure they're not sure how to kind of like experience more orgasms together they just want some more tangible ways of kind of moving forward um, because i've got the tantra yoga background as well I get guys that are interested mm -hmm. in um, sexual energy and sublimating moving sexual energy through their body learning how to have maybe non-ejaculatory orgasms or multiple orgasms becoming a multi-orgasmic man uh, and then i do some stuff on guys i used to uh, this is from a counseling background as well i used to work with um like men on the uh, autism spectrum as well so uh okay. yeah, and they were developing they wanted to develop um like social skills and dating and wanted to learn how to kind of like express their sexuality healthily and, and give voice to their desires and things like that in an appropriate kind of way with consent and with agreements involved. So I do a bit of that work as well for guys if they're, they're looking for that. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Oh, that's, no worries, that's really cool. Um, so how would you say, so, so this conversation can be uncomfortable for a lot of men, right? Um, uh, ED or, you know, not performing how you feel like you should or, or you know, not performing to the standards of, of, of your of your partner, right? It's, it's, a, it's a very uncomfortable conversation. Um, but it's a conversation that, that needs to be had. Would you agree? Yeah, totally, man. I, um, I, I'm a big believer that sexuality is inextricably linked to kind of who we are as people, as yeah. men. Uh, and that our sexual identity is such a huge part of our identity overall. And the less we know about our sexuality or the less we know about our sexual selves or the less we're, uh, the least comfortable we are with it and the, you know, and, and the more taboo it is, then mm -hmm. the less we know about ourselves in general and the less comfortable we're going to feel kind of having conversations that. and connecting with people just in general. Yes. No, I love how you said uh, the less we know about ourselves, you know, in... in that's been the biggest thing in my journey is I have made it a point to, and I, and I suggest it, and, and you probably would as well, to every every person looking to be coached or looking to 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 get on a better better path is really just tuning in, studying yourself, and in putting in that work and in figuring out your own shit, figuring out your, you know, what what do you need before you can give anything else to, to anybody or to the world mm, yeah totally yeah. man and, and sexuality is a big part of that you know because there's so much stigma mm -hmm. like you shared um, and so much uncomfortable uh, feelings around exploring and talking about sexuality that you're stifling this huge part of yourself right um, so so how would you say that this you know you, you kind of touched on it but how would you say that um, the sexuality piece of, of you transitions to other parts of life, uh, your relationships, your careers, your, uh, you know, even, even being a, a 
a parent, you know, how does it transition to other aspects of life? Yeah, there's a beautiful uh, Zen proverb which goes something along the lines of the way you do one thing is the way you do all mm -hmm. things, right? Yeah. And, um, and so I use this, the concept of pleasure here. Like, call me crazy, but sex is supposed to be pleasurable, right? And, um, <laughs> and so the way that you experience pleasure when you're being sexual, right, is, um, is the way that you'll experience quote-unquote non-sexual pleasure or pleasure just out in the world, right, out in your day-to-day -day life. And, and if you're like putting limitations and have limiting beliefs over the amount of pleasure that you can experience when you're being sexual, either with yourself or with a partner, then you're also going to be doing that. I guarantee you, you're going to be doing that in other areas of your life as well. Yeah. The pleasures of eating food or the pleasures of, you know, uh, being out in nature or, the, or just pleasures in general, whatever you find pleasurable. So if you're, if you're boxing yourself in in one area, sexuality wise, you're more than likely boxing yourself in somewhere else. And that's a two way street as well. If you're boxing yourself in and limiting your pleasure outside of the bedroom, then very likely you're going to be doing something to that effect inside the bedroom as well. So that's kind of how I, I frame that. That's fucking awesome. That's <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Um, yeah. So how do you facilitate your sessions? Um, do you work one on one with men? Do you do a group type of coaching? Yeah, I've, I've done I've done kind of all of the above. So I do uh, offer one on one sessions at the moment and um, I, I work really specifically. Um, well, I work with really sorry specific people. So I've got a big intake form and and, and I just make sure that we're the right fit. So I do turn quite a few people away if they're not ready to, or they're not the mm -hmm. type of person that I want to work with. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, in terms of turning them away, I'll either share them in the, the group coaching programs that I have, um, which is uh, I've got a couple of six week courses available, um, or I'll refer them on to, to someone who um, is probably a better fit, like I was mentioning before. And um, I also run, you know, every now and again, an online workshop or an online webinar before all the COVID stuff I was doing things in person and doing one day events um, but I kind of have this idea that because we're looking like people are coming to me and coming to coaches in general for change right they want to make change in their life and mm -hmm. I feel like there's two models of change that we kind of often work with and I see this particularly in the sexuality space or the sex coaching space is um, like the model of change that's often leaned on is this like really polarizing cathartic way of of change so you kind of have this like one day or two day really intense immersive experience where it's like this little bubble that's created for the people in that container mm -hmm. and it's like really intense and it's really cathartic and it's very emotional and and all this stuff comes up and you have this like really amazing two-day experience mm -hmm. and then you come away from that weekend or you come away from that one day workshop and you're kind of expected to then kind of integrate that stuff back into your life and you're like okay what did i learn over the weekend right. how can i make you know how can i how can i maintain that momentum and maintain those changes and oftentimes there's not a lot of what we call aftercare or or help with that integration the mm -hmm. workshop facilitators just like cool you're on your own now pretty much like best of luck with your life um and like that is a model of change. Like it can be done if the integration part is really strong and the aftercare is there. But oftentimes, you know, we have this big polarizing experience and we have really uh, a lot of trouble integrating it back in. So we just kind of slip back into our old habits and we just come back mm -hmm. to where we, where we were. Um, and so like my philosophy around change and, and making sustainable change is this kind of other model, which is 
like the baby step model. Like you, you mm -hmm. kind of take one step and as you're taking that step, you kind of integrate and you celebrate and you process as you're going through it. And then you kind of take another step uh, and then you, you progress and you, and you keep on moving forward in that way, which is a lot more, in my opinion, manageable and sustainable. It yeah. just takes a, a longer time, that's all, because you're doing yeah. things at a slower pace. Um, and so that's typically why I, I offer longer coaching or longer courses, minimum of six weeks, um, as opposed to doing like big one day events now. I'm not a big fan right. of doing that type of work. Yeah, I mean, you hit it perfectly. Like we all want change, right? There's, we're, we're always evolving. We're always going to want to change, but it is like, how do we, how do we manage that? How do we, how do we make it sustainable? You know, so that was perfect. The, the baby steps, I like that. Now, I want to talk about something that I feel like isn't talked about much either, at least, you know, me growing up, you know, the way that I grew up wasn't talked about. Um, and I, I feel like it isn't talked about much still, um, unless you're aware of this, but let's talk about porn, how it can be toxic. And, you know, uh, that, you know, how is that? How is that putting a haze in, in men's mind, you know, uh, when it comes to, to real sex? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, right off the bat, I want to say that I'm not anti-porn. Like, I believe, and my opinion is that we can use porn in a healthy way, right? And, mm -hmm. and the way that I expand on this is like, you can think of porn as a tool, right? Just like a vibrator is a tool for mm -hmm. pleasure, so is porn a tool for pleasure, right? And just like a person with a vulva, a woman might become maybe reliant on using a vibrator in order to experience pleasure uh, and maybe become a little bit temporarily desensitized or numb to that feeling of the vibrations. Mm -hmm. Men can do the same thing with porn to the point right. where we become reliant on it, where we kind of numb out and become desensitized to it. And, um, and we get to the point where, you know, our arousal and our pleasure becomes determined by what it is that what what it is that we're using externally which is the porn or you know women get to the point where they really struggle to experience any arousal or pleasure without the vibrator so they become right. you know um, reliant on this external tool so with mindfulness and with awareness again my opinion here we can use porn in a intentional healthy way uh, as long as we're um yeah as long as we're aware of how we're using that tool and we're using the tool the tool's not using us so to speak right. so um that's like the first concept that I wanted to introduce. Um, okay. But then, of course, all, there's all these negative impacts of porn as well, right? Like I don't want to mm -hmm. sweep those under the rug by any means. Um, the, the uh, I guess the negative impact that porn can have is the, the stories that, that it plays out and that it perpetuates, right? Like right. some big things that come off the top of my head when I talk to men about porn is like, I don't know, you know if you've ever seen a flaccid penis in porn, right? Every porn actor has an erection right there's right. and and so that kind of creates this idea um, or this expectation in real life that oh i've got to have an erection all the time Absolutely. and there's no room for any softness or any flaccidness and which is totally incorrect like erections wax and wane and there'll be times when you're a little bit firmer or you're a little bit less firmer and um and there's there's room for variation but in porn that's not there's no diversity right, um right. 
similar similar thing with like uh, bodies in porn as well, right? Like, mm. um, although there's maybe a bit more diversity now with all these different genres and catering to different um, preferences, very typically the you know male porn star is a big fucking jacked dude, um, mm-hmm. and he's got a huge cock, and um, and the woman's like a usually like a skinny, you know, big tits, um, kind of buxom young woman, right? Yeah. Again, like serious lack of diversity because the the male porn star penis for example is on average three and a half inches bigger than a civilian a person who doesn't do porn's penis okay. so wow. um there's no um you know that's not that's not realistic right and and i kind of share with guys look the reason why dudes with big dicks are in porn is you know there's kind of two major reasons the first is like porn is entertainment it's not reality firstly and that's the reason why for example Dwayne the Rock Johnson is a movie star and the average person is not because the rock looks fucking good on TV because he's a fucking massive you know Samoan guy you know which is amazing to to look at for entertainment it's exactly the same way with with um, you know a huge um, penis I don't know who male porn so Danny D for example you know one of the big you know UK penises it's like that looks good on screen, you know, and an average penis just unfortunately doesn't look that entertaining. Um, right. But then on top of that, you've got to think like this is, it's produced, right? There's not just like a candid uh, camera in the back of a room just watching two people right. have sex. There's a camera, if you think of like porn shots and the cinematography of it, the camera is like right there in between a cock and you know, a, vul- a vulva, you know, a penis and a vulva. And so in order to get that shot, right, you've got to squeeze a big camera and a mic in between those two genitals. And if you've got a, an, you know, an average size penis or a below average size penis, which is like five inches and below, then you just don't have the room to squeeze a camera in between those two genitals. Um, so you need that extra length so you can actually see physically the, the penis going inside of the, the vulva or the vagina. So, um, and, and if you and then if you kind of like go down that route there's all this deconstructing of the sex that they're actually having like if you speak to male porn stars and even female porn stars the sex they're having they're not enjoying right it's a job for them right. you know and, and right. part of part of the course that i do which is called outperform a porn star starts off with a bunch of interviews and quotes from male and female porn stars okay. saying how the sex is just boring and it's actually not that pleasurable because of the angles that they're having to pull what looks good on camera doesn't actually look good in real life and this is one of the ways that we get conditioned by porn which tends to be our de facto sex education um we we try and mimic what we see on screen and oftentimes what's on screen is actually not very pleasurable so no and and where no one's really talking about that unfortunately right guys are just kind of open to to just like what they're seeing on screen but they're not open to actually talking about it at all that's perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> no worries, yeah, man. It, 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 it is, uh, we, we don't realize like the production behind it, you know, and, and that is the, how it, it skews our reality. You know, that production, like you said, those angles, it's the, the, the sizes, it's, it's all unrealistic. It's not real sex and, and they're not even enjoying it. You know, that's, that's the, it's, it's a job to them. Yeah. Yeah, right. totally. So, this is this idea of like media literacy or, or porn literacy, right? So again, if I take the framework of like, I'm not anti-porn, it's like, I don't mind if, if guys are watching porn. One of the ways that I, I will kind of educate them around it is what I've just kind of shared now, but mm-hmm. it's like thinking about who 
is in the porn who was it made for like what's missing so just having these critical thinking questions about the the product that you're consuming because it is a product right right and just being make, making mindful ethical decisions and then that can stand you know that can extend to like okay are you like here's a good rule of thumb are you paying for your porn or not because if you're not paying for porn if you're consuming it for free that's probably pretty unethical right like mm-hmm. no one's right. getting paid in that scenario and you're consuming a product um, and so the whole dynamics of it are probably not very, um, probably not very heth- ethical and healthy, and, right. and the energetics of it is probably not. Because um, if we talk about you know, sexual energy in that regard as well, the energetics of it are probably not super positive. So, like a good rule of thumb yeah. is like if you're going to use porn, is start paying for it. Um, and if you're going to start paying for it, then you can make like consumer decisions, right? Ethical consumer decisions. Right. Where are you buying your porn from? Are you buying it from somewhere where? everyone was paid well are you buying it from somewhere that's you know being coercive and you know manipulative with their actresses and actors are you paying for porn from a company that's like really inclusive and has you know a bunch of diversity with regards to their actors and actresses and filmmakers and and you know are they hiring people you know where, where are they hiring from so that sort of stuff and um and that gets into a conversation of like ethical or feminist or um educational porn right porn that's like got a bunch of diversity and it's not focused on camera angles it's focused on the intimacy between people it's focused on the actual connection they have oftentimes they're real life couples for example right there's a beautiful um they don't call themselves a porn website but there's a beautiful like adult erotica website called make love not porn and it's real couples you know who have filmed themselves there's no production crew involved and they are submitting them. So they're making the choice as well. They're consenting okay. to their videos and stuff being online. Um, and it's you know, a beautiful thing to see people that are really yeah. intimate and experiencing real pleasure with one another um, and that are really conscious about it. And you know, if that was the type of porn that we were watching, think of the narratives and the messages and stuff we would be getting yeah, about yeah, what absolutely. sex is supposed to look like instead of all this entertainment shit. So, um, yeah. and then it's like- That's what- porn should oh, be you know yeah totally man we, we need realistic representations for sure um yeah. and that's like i'm talking all about the porn here but like the way that you're using this tool as well is really important um it's like if i talk to guys about how they're masturbating to porn oftentimes they're like you know they'll explain to me they're sitting at a computer you know they're hunched over they've got you know the mouse or the keypad in one hand and their cock in the other and they're just kind of going at it like a chimpanzee you know there's right. no there's no expansion. They're very constricted and contracted. They're closed down. They're like they've got tension patterns in their body. As a um, you know, ex-personal trainer, you probably know um, this. Like when we do something like one particular way over and over and over again, we create a tension pattern, right, um, in in that part of the body. Right. And so if we're doing every time we masturbate, if we're sitting in a chair, hunched over, using our hand and just you know that regular jerk off technique you're creating tension in your body in that you know in in that way that you're masturbating so Mm -hmm. um so the way that you're using that porn is detrimental in that regard because firstly that's not how you have sex right i kind of frame masturbation and self-pleasure as um training for the big day which is when you're being sexual with a with a partner now and that's not the that's not a perfect analogy because masturbation and self-pleasure is equally as important as partnered sex so i don't really like the training um big game analogy but right. it but it helps to um prompt guys to go oh my god you're right i don't have sex hunched over a screen 
jerking off like this. I have sex right. you know, with my whole body. You know? um, but if you're conditioning yourself to experience pleasure in a certain way every single time you watch porn and masturbate, then you're like, going to have some difficulty experiencing pleasure in a different way when you're with a partner. Um, and right. it might be might become overstimulating for you. It might not be stimulating enough, and that can create a bit of um, a bit of anxiety, a bit of conflict between the two of you. So, one of the ways I you know encourage guys to use porn, you know, actually use it as a tool, is um, you know take the screen, the laptop, or the phone, pop it on a shelf, or pop it on a desk, or you know higher up, and instead of sitting down and being hunched over the screen, get out of your chair step away from the computer screen and stand up. Mm. And you know, simply by standing up, you become way more aware of tension patterns in your body, right? right. When you're sitting down, there's, there's not a lot of body awareness. When you stand up, you can go, oh yeah, my back's a little bit sore. I might just stretch that and open up. Oh, my shoulders are feeling a little bit tight as well. Might just step my legs a bit wider and squat down a little bit to kind of open up through the knees and through the pelvis. And so like mm. literally you're starting to expand your body awareness uh, and when you start to expand your body awareness you start to experience more pleasure right you're not just right. solely focused on on your genitals and on your cock um and then like that's a, and then so just by doing that then you open up this whole world of possibilities for using this this tool of porn really intentionally like another idea that i give to guys is you know uh close the screen of the laptop down plug some headphones in and listen to porn like a lot of guys are, are watching porn in silence because they don't want to they don't want their partner to find out or they don't want their kids to hear or whatever it is um but one of the things you you know a lot of guys don't really realize is porn's very vocal it's very auditory right um, again because right. it's entertainment but um but because we kind of condition ourselves to experience pleasure visually 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 um, we then can project that onto our partner and you know um kind of I guess put this pressure on her to look a certain way or to right. um or to do a certain thing that kind of arouses us visually uh, right. because we've conditioned ourselves to experience pleasure that way but we can start to create new pathways of pleasure in our body and start to really um become less reliant on that visual cue by plugging in some headphones and listening to porn and then starting to either like close your eyes and visualize or, or, or just be in the moment and listen and get into the rhythm of the the um the actresses and the actors on screen like porn has a rhythm to it and you can kind of like bring yourself into that rhythm and start to go like through entrainment kind of move right. that orgasmic and, and pleasurable sensation through your body so again being mindful of how you're using this particular tool is really right. important right that's that's good and and that's something you don't hear a lot either is that you porn can be used as a tool like you said you know you hear a lot about the toxicity of it and in the shame behind it but like you said you know it can be used as a tool given that you're using it properly yeah you totally. touched on a lot of good things like even even just the listening like you you could put these unrealistic visuals on on your partner you know and, and you don't even realize it yeah yeah and, and, and yeah one Go of on. the one of the key things behind like again porn being helpful is to maybe explore a fantasy or explore a fetish or explore some sort of desire that you have which you're unable or your partner's unwilling to act out in real life so say you're into bdsm and before you 
go and see a dominatrix, you want to know a bit more about like the types of things that they might do, or you want to see if it actually turns you on, you know, what things turn you on. And porn can be a really helpful way for you to find out what arouses you, right? To find yeah. out what your preferences are, to find out what fantasies you're into. Um, yeah. you know, are you into uh, multiple partners or are you into, um, you know, humiliation and, and these other types of genres? So being able to explore that and having the ability to do that can be really helpful when you're forming and understanding more about your sexual identity and your sexual preferences. I agree. I, I also, I could see that being a good thing as, as a couple as well, um, figuring out what, what you do like or, or what you don't like. Um, what are your thoughts about, you know, porn as a couple? Yeah, I think there's, um, like, the first thing that needs to be talked about is, is like, what are the stories that your partner has around porn, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of women um, who I've spoken to have this uh, mentality that, um, like, if they're, if, if he's watching porn, if their male partner's watching porn, that they'll get either jealous or they'll get insecure um, and they'll feel like maybe he's like cheating on her or that she's not, um, she's not hot enough or, or she's not enough, right? Because he has to go and do things by himself. So like what are the stories that she has around porn? Um, I'm using a heteronormative example, but you know, what are the, what are the stories that, that pop up for, for the two of you, for both of you um, around the use of pornography? Like not only alone, uh, well, firstly alone, but then kind of as a couple, it's like, okay, well, let's talk about, you know, um, you know, before we actually put something on screen, let's have a conversation about how do you feel about maybe watching something together and should we, you know, and, and then it's like, okay, the same conversation that you would have by yourself, should we buy a movie that we can watch together or should we just browse a tube site? It's like, how would you like to, to watch porn together? And I think that's, right. um, you know, uh, a conversation to, to be had first before you actually start doing anything to then gauge whether it'd be something you think would be beneficial for the two of you or um, or if it's worth like just having a chat about your desires and your fantasies like just asking like what porn do you watch before you start actually watching anything it's like you know what are you drawn to what what turns you on when you're watching porn it might be oh I really like you know um, what like, I love watching facials for example you know and it's like okay well you know, is that something that you know why does that why do you think that turns you on and, and what do you like about it and is that something that we do together as a partnership or is it something that you kind of want to do but you haven't been able to speak up about it yet yeah. and then it can kind of facilitate a conversation about those sorts of things so i think before yeah. even getting to the point of watching porn together it's important to maybe have those conversations conversation. about what porn means to you and um and what it is that you that you watch porn for yeah that uh that communication, that conversation, just in general, as a couple, you know, a as a relationship is super important. Um, so that kind of brings me into thoughts, taking a transition from porn. Let's talk about the energy as a couple. So I also feel that porn can make, uh, I, I know I said I was going to transition from this, but I feel like porn can make a uh, sex one-sided um you know coming coming from a man so let's talk about because i feel like this could be a, a big uncomfortable part of the conversation about sex with your partner is the energy behind it let's talk about the energy as a couple um you know during sex and and also 
being aware that it's, it's not just about you. It's not just a one-sided act. Um, you know, you do have to take into consideration that you're, you're not in it just for you, you know, as, as any relationship. Yeah. So the way that men masturbate is they, and, and this is just generalized, but it, I've spoken to enough men about this that I know this to be, you know, pretty factually correct is they're trying to get something from their cock, right? They're trying to get something from their body. They're trying to get something from the experience, which is typically an ejaculation, right? They're trying to get to that end goal of ejaculation so that masturbation is a success. And so because that's what we're doing, we're taking, we oftentimes bring that mentality into our partnered relationship as well, into our partner sexual experience, where we're going into that with the you know, either overt or, you know, um, underlying intention to take something from that experience. I, I, I need to get this orgasm or I need to get this ejaculation or um, I need her to orgasm or I need her right. to, you know, whatever. Um, and so there's this like goal-oriented way that we're approaching sex. Um, right. And like what a lot of guys aren't, aren't owning, right, and this is like the shadow aspect of that is, a lot of guys are, you know, I'll use this example of like coming home from work and just kind of going through the motions and, you know, uh, having sex with their their partner. And really, you know, because that mentality of like, I just need to get an ejaculation out of this is, is quite, you know, powerful. Guys are just using their partners as a, a, a sleeve to masturbate inside of, right? Like that's, right. you know, whether guys are aware of it or not, that's... That, very common that men are, are doing right. that with their partners and women are you know oftentimes women aren't, aren't encouraged to speak up women are really uh, encouraged to tolerate the sex that they're having and and to to not you know voice what they're pleasurable uh, what they find pleasurable and to you know and not to bruise his ego and things like that right. and so we get a dynamic or the energetics of sex where guys are just pretty much unloading inside of their partners and then um and and leaving their partners kind of you know wanting more i suppose um right. and this is you know this speaks to like the, the orgasm gap as well which um is this phenomenon where women aren't having as many orgasms as men are and what's one of the reasons why and one of the reasons why is guys are focused mm-hmm. on kind of their own orgasm um their own ejaculation so one of the ways that i encourage like this dynamic to be intentionally uh like triggered so that you can work through it is when you start, like just exp- as an experiment, for the next two weeks, I encourage couples to uh, have sex without an ejaculation involved. Mm-hmm. So intentionally take ejaculation off the table, right? Say to each other, right? make the agreement, we're gonna have sex, but uh, I'm gonna not come. So we're gonna stop before I ejaculate, right? And by intentionally doing that, by kind of saying for the next two weeks, we're gonna try this out and experiment and see what happens, Oftentimes what comes up is these stories around what sex means, right? Because, yeah. well, sex, for it to be a success, right? For it to be, uh, for, y- for you to achieve something, right? For sex to be productive, we've got to get an ejaculation, right? We've got to get an orgasm. How do we know right. when sex is finished, right? If there's no ejaculation right. involved. So it brings up that story of like, why are we actually having sex? Is it for right. you to actually come? Or is it for us to connect with one another and experience pleasure wow, together and, yeah. and what else is there that we can do, right? If you're not ejaculating, what else can we do? Um, then also brings up this story of um, you know, men's pleasure, which is oftentimes very connected to an ejaculation, right? If he 
if he comes, he probably had a good time, right? If he's ejaculated, it means that I've done a good job or it means that he's right. uh, experienced pleasure, which is um, you know, not the case, right? Sex can mm-hmm. be pleasurable even though we don't ejaculate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this can bring up that story really nice and neatly for you to then unpack it. Uh, and then it starts to bring up other stories of like, well, if he didn't, if he didn't ejaculate, then he probably didn't have a good time. Does that mean I'm, you know, as a woman, does that mean I'm not a good lover? Does that mean I'm not hot enough? Does that mean I didn't do the thing that he likes? Uh, so it can yeah. intentionally and mindfully bring up that story as well of self-worth and self-confidence. Uh, and, and then the other story of like, what's wrong as well? What's wrong with us? I didn't come, what's wrong with me? Or he didn't come, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with me? And so the self-blame story can, can be unpacked and processed mm-hmm. as well. So just as an experiment, I encourage couples to take two weeks from uh, you know, two weeks from not ejaculating. So still have sex, even as well, still masturbate as well, but don't ejaculate. That's a really powerful thing for men to experiment with as well. It's like, yeah. okay, I'm masturbating. I, you know, what am I, what am I producing here? Right. We've got this idea right. that we need to be like productive members of society and that gets brought into our self pleasure. It gets brought into our partnered sexual experiences. And so everything has to like have an end goal, has to be productive, has to produce something. We don't want to waste time. Um, and so uh, oftentimes that's, you know, that end goal or that product that we're producing is an orgasm or is an ejaculation. Um, and so if we kind of take that end goal out, we kind of go, well, okay, what's the, what's the process then? What, what's the journey? And we start to focus more on that rather than what we're, that end destination that we're getting to. That's huge. You know, and like you said, it is that, that thought, like, what is the point of it then, you know, and it, but that isn't that shouldn't be the goal. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So just, it, it, it allows you to open things up a bit more. And that's right. my, um, like my, my cornerstone, I suppose, of um, like sexuality is curiosity. You know, so mm-hmm. be curious about not ejaculating, be curious about ejaculating as much as you can, right? Try, there's another end of the spectrum. It's like I tell guys to spend two weeks uh, without ejaculating and then, also try ejaculate as many times as you can in one day and see how that affects right. you, right? Be curious about how your body responds to certain types of stimulus, right? In, right. Incorporate, you know, uh, temperature play, right? Pull something out of the oven mm-hmm. or the microwave or <laughs> maybe not the oven, right. um, but, and, and then, like put it on your body. How does your body feel when it's like really warm? Um, mm-hmm. Take an ice cube out of the freezer, put that on your body, you know, be curious about how you are um, experiencing sensations. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I feel like a lot of times it is that we don't enjoy sex. We feel like it's it's only purpose is to ejaculate for us or to get her to ejaculate. Um, and, and we do. We miss out the main piece, the, the enjoyment, the pleasure, the energy exchange. Um, and that's the most important part of it, you know, that connection between you and your partner um and, and it's it's missed it's overlooked because we are we are just trying to reach that end goal whether it be for yourself or for your partner totally man totally and like yeah. a simple question is what do you like what yeah. are you into what turns right. you on what gives you pleasure right that's all yeah. that's all pretty much the same question um but just simply asking that and mm-hmm. you know how many times have we been asked, what are you, like, what are you into? What do you like? What do you want me to do? You know, um, right. like we, we rarely get asked that. And I tell you what, women get asked that even less. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and so like just opening up that conversation to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm 
I'm here. I'm listening. What do you right. What do you want to try? You know, what do you what What gets you off? Do you feel like that question isn't asked as often because men don't care because we don't care or because we're afraid? I think it's because we're afraid. I think the I think guys care almost too much. Yeah. Right. So um, one of the reasons why guys have performance anxiety, for example, in the bedroom, is because they're like oh my God, I need to get an erection. I need to last all night long. I need to pump and thrust away. Like I've seen on porn, I need to give her 20 orgasms. Like the the pressure that men put on themselves is because they they care, not care too much, but they're like overly concerned with the wrong part of that whole scenario. So they're overly concerned with the performative aspect of like, if I don't do this, then she's not gonna have a good time. But Absolutely. oftentimes the reverse is true. When you let go of that performance and you're actually there in the moment, the sex is way more pleasurable. So I think yes. guys are, are, are scared of, and there's also this narrative as well of like, guys are supposed to know what they're doing, right? There's right. This, this story that men are supposed to be knowledgeable in the bedroom, they're Perfect. supposed to be assertive, yeah. they're supposed to be dominant, they're supposed to take control, they're supposed to be in charge, um, they're supposed to be the one that you know, penetrates and does sex, right? This is quite right. like an old school um, kind of sexist way of thinking about things, but it's kind of, and it's morphed into it's this true. new kind of narrative, but it's like this idea that men do sex and women have sex done to them, right, by a man. That's right. this like old paradigm way of thinking, but a lot of guys mm-hmm. still have that mindset. And so yeah. the, the, if you ask, what are you into, right, oftentimes that brings up a story of like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not the knowledgeable person here because I have to ask a question. And so that brings up insecurities about being a quote unquote man in the bedroom. Well, you have to ask her what she likes. You don't just know what she likes. Then that's, you know, you're a fucking, you know, pussy or whatever it is. Right. Right, Um, So, so it brings up that fear big time, man, around that story of like, well, you don't know what you're doing, um, which, yeah, which is a big, big hindrance. Fucking perfect. Yes. I, I know, you know, for me, the, Working on our communication as a couple, just in general, has changed so many different aspects of our relationship in general. And then also looking at sex as an energy exchange, you know, not looking at it as I need to get off or I need to get her off or or vice versa. You know, it it is an energy exchange and it's something that is supposed to be pleasurable you know yes if we could just go into any performance with that mindset you know i I feel like that could it could help a lot in just being having that awareness for sure yeah yeah Yeah, like it's it's so cliche but you know communication is key you know and and um and i think as well acknowledging like a lot of guys perpetuate this idea that like sex is just physical for them like it's just surface Mm -hmm. level there's no strings attached it's just get they just need to get off like guys play into that you know um and they and 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 like i said before like they just kind of masturbate inside of their partner there's no um they 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 kind of like perpetuate this idea that they don't need anything deeper but Mm -hmm. like you're doing yourself a disservice if you're disconnecting all those feelings and the intimacy and the vulnerability and the emotionality behind sex because it's it's intrinsically linked right to that mm-hmm. like um and this is not me like you know bashing um casual sex for example i think casual sex is great so as long as you're acknowledging 
the feelings and the intimacy and the vulnerability and the emotions that are coming up during that casual experience. Like you can have casual sex, for example, doesn't mean you have to treat the other person casually. You know, um, that's uh, that's kind of a, a segue. But um, but yeah, I think acknowledging that all these things are a part of you and that are coming up for you when you're being sexual can really take your sex like with a partner to the next level by starting to recognize that there is another level, another layer to your experience of sex and it's not just this surface physical thing. Like, right. yeah, it can be sometimes you just want to fucking get off and it's like, okay, own that then. If that's the feeling that's right. coming through, name it. Be like, I just need to fuck right. like an animal here and just come. And it's like, awesome, let's fucking do it. Let's just, you know, mm-hmm. fuck like rabbits and get this out of the way. Um, right. and, but let's, like, let's enjoy that experience, just naming that. And then there might be times where you're like, Fuck, I need to be held here. Like, I just need to acknowledge that I'm, right, right. I'm, I'm really yearning for you, longing for you, I actually want you to touch me. Um, just a- acknowledging that as well, naming that, naming what it is that you Absolutely. want in that moment. Um, and that communication takes a little while because there's a lot of stigma around guys, you know, opening up and being vulnerable, especially around oh, yeah. sex. Um, so it takes a little while to feel comfortable doing that. That's a, a big thing that I, I preach to not only myself, but to, to the men that I work with is vulnerability. It's, it's such a, a huge aspect that I think we don't, we don't realize how powerful vulnerability can be in, until we experience it. But that stigma behind it, like getting, getting to the point of realizing how powerful vulnerability can be in every aspect of your life, you you don't you don't realize it in, until it happens and you're very shut off by it if if you haven't experienced vulnerability yet that's a huge yeah. thing that i preach and um, I, I frame this in the context of like sexual leadership right like so if you're if you're um wanting to have better sex right someone needs to take the lead and this is not like mm. not like taking the lead like telling the other person what to do from this like right. hierarchical kind of point of view and delegating actions but like taking the lead from a space of like caring deeply about this person, right? Like if you're like caring about your partner's pleasure and wanting to have better sex and wanting to connect more is a fucking beautiful thing. Um, But it still doesn't, you know, it still means that someone needs to take the lead in order to do that. So like sexual leadership in this sense is like, is lateral, right? It's, it's, um, it's horizontal. It's, it's like leading from example, you know, and, and, and vulnerability ties nicely into this because it's like, what, like, what do you want more from your partner? Do more of that yourself, you know. So if you right. if you're wanting to um, experience more pleasure with your partner, if I can Love claim it. that pleasure yourself, be like, hey, I want to experience more pleasure with you. Like, hey, I'm I'm into yeah. this thing. This gives me a lot of pleasure. You know, wearing your heart on your sleeve a little bit, kind of opening your heart up, being like, this is what turns me on. Right, these are my innermost desires. Fuck, that's a vulnerable thing to do because you don't know how your partner's going to react. You don't know if they're going to reject you. You don't know if they're going to shame you. Right? I think it's Brene right. Brown's definition of vulnerability, which is emotional exposure and risk-taking, right? Like uh-huh. desire and lust and what turns you on and where your boundaries are, that's a lot of exposing of your emotions. Oh, and that's yeah. a big risk to take because your partner mm-hmm. could react in a whole bunch of different ways. So you have no idea. So there's this uncertainty there. So um, so opening that up and being vulnerable is leading, right? In mm-hmm. that sexual context, right? It is being a sexual leader because um, it's leading by example. And then you invite right. your partner in. Hey, I've just shared what turns you on right this is what turns me on what turns you on this is where my boundaries are what are your boundaries this is what i want to do what do you want to do you know and then you can start to invite them and you know encourage them to come into that space with you right 
Awesome. I, I want to touch, touch on one last thing. Um, becoming more aware of your sexuality with yourself, with your partner. Um, tell me how, talking particularly to men, um, when, when they do start to have this awareness around sex, how can it transition to confidence in general, just confidence as a man? If they, if they can perform to where they feel like they are performing where they should be or that their woman should be, how can this confidence transition to all other aspects of their life? Yeah, well, it kind of goes back to the, that, that kind of Zen proverb that we were talking about before. But the, the, the more you're aware of like your, your sexuality, the more you're experiencing pleasure with your sexual partner, like the more, like the more your relationship improves because of that as well, like all that's related, um, mm -hmm. the, the more that, that is, that, that'll affect you outside the bedroom as well. So if you're, if you're able to communicate and to be intimate and to voice, like give voice to your, your desires and what turns you on, watch yourself start doing that outside of the bedroom as well. So watch yourself right. starting to ask for what it is that you want in your workplace. Watch, uh, yourself, uh, put boundaries up when you're with your family for example mm -hmm. you know if you're practicing and doing and feeling comfortable doing all these things in like a really sexual intimate setting where the stakes are really high man things become way easier for you when the when when the stakes are, are lower when it's not so high stakes right. and um and yeah so boundaries are, are a big one if you can put sexual boundaries up and you can say no to your partner or if you can say i don't like that please stop Man, watch right. yourself start saying to your mum, for example, mum, I'm not in the mood. I can't deal with you right now. Talk to me later on, right? As opposed to like, oh, I've got to go and speak to my mum. Fuck, you know, have right. to do all this yeah. sort of stuff. So, um, and, and same thing for like being assertive and asking for what you want. If you're able to, in a, in a sexual context, say, hey, I really want you to suck my toes, you know, something that's like yeah. a bit left of field. And then, um, and you feel comfortable and you're able to kind of, you know, um, own and acknowledge that watch yourself when you're in a you know everyday scenario say hey can you please do this for me you know at work right. i need this can you please get this to me by the end of the day you know and starting to voice and give voice to to um to, to what is it that you need and what is it that you want from right. another person so uh, it's all again to use the training and practice scenario a lot of the things that you're practicing in the bedroom and also outside again that's a bit of a two-way street can help mm -hmm. you um in business in you know, uh, in relationships, in just yeah. life in general. Um, the, one of the ways that I kind of um, talk to, to men uh, that are entrepreneurs and are in business is this idea of seduction, right? So seduction's mm -hmm. got a pretty bad rap, like the idea, you know, that there's, you know, that it's coercive and manipulative and you're trying to get people into bed is like the connotations that, and the negative baggage right. that the word seduction has. But mm -hmm. seduction is just making people feel good when they're around you, you know? Um, and so when you're, um, when you're thinking of being like a, a small business or an entrepreneur and you're taking on clients, like you want to seduce your clients. You want your clients to feel right. good when they're working with you. Um, right. And so like part of that seduction is, you know, knowing, like knowing your own sexuality, knowing yourself, knowing kind of how to seduce yourself, knowing what turns you on and, and being able to, facilitate that in your in your clients or in your business partner or in you know um 
whoever it might be, but learning how to yeah. seduce is um, a really powerful thing, which you can do alone by yourself with a sexual partner and then extend that in a different way um, to the clients that you're working with. Yeah, fucking love it. If you could give men one piece of advice, one piece of advice from experience, let's say, um, what would that be? Um, I touched on this before, but it would be cultivate your curiosity. So, you know, as, as soon as you start asking some questions, as soon as you start kind of going, oh, what else is there? As soon as you start you know, being curious about your body, being curious about your partner's body, being curious about the porn that you're watching, being curious about, you know, the pleasure that you're experiencing, or it doesn't matter what it is, as long as you just kind of like dial up that curiosity a little bit, things start to open up, right? That's that's the, yeah. the foundation for your sexual journey is, and, and just your journey in life in general. If you can just be curious and maybe a little bit playful, a little bit less serious, then, um, man, the world is your oyster. Yes. Be more curious. That's, that's perfect. And, and like you said, it, just in life in general, I, I, again, I think we get lost in in doing what we we think needs to be done or doing what we think is right or, or just doing what we think a, a man should be, we miss out on so many different things. We miss out on, on curiosity and being playful on, on having fun. You know, we, we, we just do what we think needs to be done and, and we're missing out on, on life in general. Yeah, totally, man. Like, can you, can you, um, like I, I said before, like experiment, right? Like curiosity is the cornerstone of, of experimentation. Right? Like try things on. Does, does this way of, of expressing my masculinity, you know, I'll be curious and I'll just try it. I'll, I'll give, it a, a, give it a go. I'll experiment with it. Does that feel really good? Uh, yes, great. You learn something uh, about how you want to express yourself. Does it feel really shit and you really didn't resonate with it? That's also great. Now you know what you don't like. Right yeah, now, you've right. also figured out something more. You've got more awareness of yourself, yeah. right? You've got more awareness of your sexuality, your masculinity, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, so you've learned something. Either way, you're going to learn something. And that's the goal, right? We're we're trying to find ourselves, who we truly are, so we can give our gift fully to back to the world and, and you know to ourselves, right? We're we're just constantly trying to find out who we are, what makes us happy, and what is the type of life that we want to live, right? Yeah, it's a bit of a buzzword, but it's being authentic. Yes, absolutely. So, all right, let's uh, let's finish with. I know you kind of talked about your program a little bit, but but tell us a little more about your uh, outperforming porn star, and then also tell us where we can find you. Cool. So the outperforming porn star course is a six-week online program for specifically for men, and the 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 kind of uh, title of it, which is a bit tongue-in-cheek, uh, outperforming porn star. Because there's this like, uh, I speak to a lot of guys and they they aspire to the sex that they see on screen. We kind of talked about mm -hmm. this before, right? Like the education yeah. they get is from porn, and so they're like, I need to have sex that way. And so I'm like, you know, and so part of the part of the education I do around that is like, um, like it, it, let's have a look at male porn stars and the sex that they're having. Uh, how many of them are having? Uh, non-ejaculatory orgasms you know how many of them are having multiple orgasms how many of them are having full body pleasurable experiences how many of them are actually just enjoying the sex that they're having how many of them right. are really connecting intimately and deeply with their partner how many are sharing you know having shared orgasmic experiences with their partner and the answer to all those questions is 
near zero. It's universally right. none. No, no right. men are, are doing that on screen. And so it's like, if you could learn how to separate orgasm and ejaculation and have a non-ejaculatory orgasm, how to have multiple orgasms, how to have full body orgasms, if you could learn how to legit connect deeply with your sexual partner, how to experience like really heightened states of pleasure together, how to be vulnerable, how to be open, how to actually really enjoy the sex that you're having, and you'd be light years ahead of any porn star. Absolutely. You'd be way outperforming them. Um, and so the, the idea there is like, I talk about performance uh, and outperforming, but uh, in a way that kind of subverts it. So I, mm -hmm. I take guys from this performance mentality. Perfect. I need to look this certain way. I need to do this certain thing. This is the way that sex quote unquote should be to fuck all that. And let's talk about pleasure. What actually right. turns you on? What actually gives you pleasure? What actually gives your partner pleasure? What turns them on? Um, and going from this performance mindset to this pleasure mindset. And that's how you outperform a porn star is you start focusing yeah. on pleasure, not on the performance. Uh, and that's yeah. a whole six week program with a bunch of techniques and strategies, not only physically, but I also talk about performance anxiety and mentality and the psychology and the emotionality behind it as well, which a lot of guys, I think as coaches aren't really doing in the sexuality space. It's all like, do your yeah. pelvic floor exercises, do this particular squeezing technique, use this particular breathing exercise, which is all great yeah. and all that's really valuable, but there's also the mentality as well that needs to be shifted and, and the mindset that needs to be changed. So um, I focus on that specifically as well. And that comes from like my counseling psychology background. Um, okay. So that's, that's my, that's my course. It's um, it's yeah. I've had guys go through it and totally change the way that they have sex, totally change the way that they relate to their partner. Um, yeah. It's, it's um, a really like, it's my signature course. I put a lot of effort that's into great. it. There's a lot of information. Um, and guys have lifetime access to it so they can always go back and revisit yeah. and, and have a look at the, the content. So um, I'm really proud of it, I think, is yeah. something that I yeah. uh, need to feel comfortable more saying. Um, and you can find information about that course. You can find information about me uh, on Instagram at the moment, which is at the Cam Fraser. And my philosophy behind Instagram is like, I'm an educator. So every single post that I put up, I try and educate. I, I, I promise you, if you go to my Instagram and you click on a random post, you'll learn something new. That's like the guarantee that I have for, for people that find me on social media. Uh, and then um, if you want, you can go to my website, which is cam-fraser.com. And that's where I've got like my own podcast and a blog and other things like that as well. So that's kind of the three things. Okay. How often do you open the doors to your uh, program? At the moment, it's three times a year. So um, I'll be doing another intake in January for the first one of 2021. Okay. Awesome. Well, Cam, we had an awesome conversation. I, again, just full of gratitude for, for your time. You know, we're, we're all busy. So for you to take the time out of your day to come and talk to me and, and come and talk to the men that are listening to this, just want to extend my gratitude and tell you thank you. Oh.